We continue on hearing about John the Baptist. Last week was Jesus' baptism, right? We saw Jesus go down to the Jordan, down to John the Baptist. John was there in the waters waiting to receive Jesus. And and we kind of pick up on the next day of that story. This is an event that's going on for a little bit of time. Remember where we're at, okay? Galilee is up to the north and to the west. Uh, All the areas where we usually hear about the majority of Jesus' ministry going on up in that area, Capernaum, Bethsaida, all those different areas. But yet now in this moment, we're still down at the Jordan, down by Jericho, halfway in between uh, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Jerusalem is off to the west. So you're in this kind of desert place, right? A river flowing through some land that's pretty dry. And there they are, baptizing. And we know what John the Baptist looks like, right? Almost every piece of art that has ever come to be, you usually see him like this. <laughs> see? Wait, that way. You usually see him pointing. My monitor is pointing that way. I don't you usually see him pointing, right? It's what he does in the next one. What's, see? He's pointing again. This is a smaller portion, but there he is pointing again. That's fine. You can go to it. And then pointing again. This is what he does. John points. He points people to Jesus, right? There he goes. One more time, pointing again. This is the one we're going to sit on for a bit, though, because it actually had two people standing alongside John. Okay. This is our text today. Two guys who had been following along John, with John, right? Andrew and another disciple that we don't really get the name of. It's not Simon Peter. Andrew went off to go get Simon to bring him to Jesus. It's thought that maybe it's John, the guy who's writing the actual letter. But nonetheless, you got two guys that are following along John. Remember what John was preaching. The Messiah was to come, but he was coming with his winnowing fork in his hand to separate the wheat from the chaff so the chaff would burn in unquenchable fire and the wheat would be gathered into the barn and life would be good and all would be happy again because all of God's people were living together in perfect peace and harmony and all the sin of the world was eradicated what John was preaching. Repent, be baptized, get forgiveness by this one, this Lamb of God who's coming to take away the sin of the world. But see, here in 2020, we start to fill in blanks because we know the story. We know what happened next. Three years from around this time, Jesus was on a cross taking away the sins of the world. But that's not the picture John had in mind. The picture John had in mind, again, was this ruler with power, a Messiah come to save the sons of Israel, or the sons of God, Israel. God's chosen to bring them back up into the prominent position amongst the nations to lift them up once again so that God would be seen as the most powerful God and that his people would thrive and be in a good place. And so John's pointing. He says, look, there he is, the Lamb of God, come to take away the sin of the world, right? What's always interesting to me in every single one of these artworks is that Jesus is always solo walking around somewhere. John had a lot of folks around him. It it was always interesting to me that we always see him singular, but it it seems like he'd be walking around with a couple of folks in this big kind of milieu of people around the Jordan and things going on, right? 
But this is the guy. This is the guy that John saw. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, come down like a dove and rest upon him. And so now John just continues to say, there he is, there he is, there he is. Here is the Lamb of God. This is him. This is the one. This is the Messiah. And so Andrew and the other guy with him go walk over and they see Jesus. Jesus turns around because he notices some people behind him, maybe trying to figure out what's going on. And I love his question. What are you seeking? I want to sit with that for a minute and ask you, what are you seeking? It's oftentimes we hear of this faith thing. And we start thinking, man, maybe if that would only change everything that's going on in my life. Maybe it, would, maybe it would make everything better again. Maybe it would take the hurts away and make them all go away so that I would be in a good place, so that everything would be prosperous again, so that I could have the things that I want to have because God just wants us to be happy, right? So what are you seeking? Are you seeking the, the miraculous and marvelous? Perhaps like maybe some of these guys were, Right? John had seen the Trinity in action in the Jordan, and he's pointing to the Lamb of God, and the disciples of John are saying, that's the guy. Let's go see what power he has. Let's go see what he's going to do. Let's go see what this guy's got going on, right? A marvelous change in life, a miraculous change in life, things that are just so awe-inspiring and emotional that it makes everything else fade away because maybe that's what you're seeking from Jesus. Are you seeking knowledge, an opportunity to understand all things, opportunity to logically work through all of Scripture and have everything make sense so that you can, you know, learn more? You know the answer to this question more than I know it for you, but what are you seeking? So I think it's great that he asked those disciples that question because remember what they had heard a leader to come, a Messiah to come, to put everything back in order, to put everything right. They don't know what lies ahead of them. And Jesus just simply asks, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? Who do you think I am? And then we have this odd conversation and questions, right? What are you seeking? Where are you staying? You know, it's back and forth from question to question. They go back and forth. But if you look at that question, where are you staying? And we draw that out just a little bit. It's more of along the lines of where are you remaining? Are you sticking around here, Jesus? Or are you going to go off somewhere else? Are you heading off to Rome to go put things back right over there? Are you going to go take care of things in Jerusalem? Are you heading down somewhere else? Where are you staying? Where are you going to be? Because we want to learn from you. Right? They call him rabbi, teacher. Where are you going to be? Because we want to learn from you, but if you're going to go too far away, maybe we don't want to necessarily follow you over there. We want to make sure that maybe we can still keep in touch with family and be around the area, but where are you going to be, Jesus? Where are you staying? Where are you remaining? Where are you dwelling? And for any you know, clarity, when it says it's about the 10th hour of the day, it's like 4 in the afternoon. Okay? It's getting close to dinner time. And he just says, come. Come and you will see. 
See, it wasn't a big, miraculous, marvelous, big change of things. He said, you want to know where I'm staying? You want to know what I'm about? Come live with me. Come walk around with me. Come spend some time with me. Come hear from me. Come see what the days behold because they're going to be totally different than what you imagine. They're going to be a completely different thing than where you think this is all going to go, Andrew, other disciple, and at time, in time, Simon, Peter, right? And then Philip, and Nathaniel, and then Matthew, and then Luke, Bartholomew comes in at some point, Judas in there too. All these guys coming along to come see what's going on with this Jesus. The church father from the 700s or so, late 600s, early 700s, his name was Bede, B-E-D-E. He was actually in England, one of the few like English church fathers. And he had a great comment on, these, on this whole scenario, on this scripture. He said, you know, Andrew and this other disciple came to Jesus wanting to know more about the law, wanting to be taught more in this Torah, more in God's word by this guy who has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. This guy obviously has something going on. This is my paraphrase. They didn't talk like that in the 700s. Uh, but he said they came to Jesus through the law only to find out that the gospel was about to grasp them. It's really a neat thought. When he asked them, what are you seeking? And they say, you know, Rabbi, they're looking for understanding. They're looking for a fulfillment of the teaching. They're looking for this deeper knowledge that he might have of the Torah. And little did they know that the Lamb of God was about to die for them. That the Lamb of God was about to bring them into a family, bring them into a relationship. And yeah, they would see miraculous and marvelous things. But more than that, they would see him down on a knee washing their feet. He would see them inviting sinners in for a meal. He would see them walking along daily life in a regular relationship and just talking with them, bringing what they needed, showing them what it means to love, showing them what it means to live life together. See, and that's the family that you're brought into, into that very same family where he says, come and see, and they say, where will you be remaining? Where are you going to be staying so I'm going to be in my word. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in the places I promise to be as I gather you together so that you can continue to hear my word, so you can continue to live life together, so that in the very small, mundane, boring things of every single day, you'll still get to see how God loves you. You'll still get to see how God takes care of you. Because it wasn't going to be with them forever walking along as he was going to go to that cross and die. Yet because of the baptism that we talked about last week, we get tied together with them in that very same relationship where we may come and wonder what we're seeking at times and then realize the only thing that we really need to seek is forgiveness. And Jesus simply says, come, see what that looks like because I've done it for you. I forgive you. It dawned on me today that in about 10 years, we're going to celebrate the 2,000th anniversary of the resurrection. Have you thought about that? A short 10 years from now, whether it's 2030 or 2033, however you want to count 
the way things happened. Roughly in about 10 years, it will have been 2,000 years since Christ was crucified and resurrected. You'll likely be alive to celebrate that. Yet we celebrate that every single Sunday also. We celebrate that life and that resurrection. We celebrate that relationship that he has called us into by the Holy Spirit. That he has gathered us together by his work and by his power. That he has made us sons and daughters of God. Family together, called in Christ's name. Forgiven so that we can forgive others. Loved so that we can love others. And that's a neat family to be a part of. So what are you seeking? Hey, a lot of times we seek things for ourselves. And pretty soon we start to seek what somebody else might need. And that's what I encourage you to do. Seek out what those around you might need. Because you know what they need? They need forgiveness. You know who's got it? Well, you do. Because you're forgiven. And you are loved. And you are a child of God. And so you get to speak that very same forgiveness that you receive to all those around you and let them know of what it's like to be in the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us through Jesus, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world and has accomplished that and continues to accomplish that. And we pray, Father, that you be with us each day in your word, in your presence, by your Holy Spirit, that as we walk, we would be able to point others to you as John the Baptist pointed many to you. Lead us each day, guide us, and be with us. In your son Jesus' name, amen.